you're always motivated by what's in it for you. And that doesn't make you selfish. That doesn't make you self-centered. That makes you a human being. And then when you start aligning your interests with the other people that have the same interests and similar interests to you, you start to build uh, collaborations that are built on trust of a mutually beneficial outcome. Entrepreneurs love talking about business. However, it's no secret there's also so many things they love talking about which are not about business. In the Sea of Business podcasts, none of your business is a refreshing break, a surprise kiss, an afternoon fizz. Through Carla Singson's cheeky and radical takes on mundane and principle-heavy topics, you'll gain insights that guarantee you something to talk about on your first Tinder date, while visiting grandma, or if you want to impress your new boss. Big thanks to Proximity Outsourcing for sponsoring this episode. Outsource the most tedious tasks in your business, such as data management, appointment setting, and creatives for less than $12 an hour, fully managed. Visit ProximityOutsourcing.com for more info. Tired of business podcasts? Tune in to none of your business. New episodes weekly. Good morning and welcome to None of Your Business, super fresh from our season break. Welcome 2024. It's a new year and I'm super excited to welcome our guest for today and actually to have this conversation. So as a lot of you know, this podcast is a selfish um, enrichment <laughs> of my life. <laughs> but uh, today we're going to talk about something that's a really radical idea. Um, this podcast episode and topic was pitched to me by a friend of mine and this guest was also pitched to me by a friend of mine and I was like that's also a friend of mine so uh, a little bit of background Clay and I know each other for a lot of years now and um, Clay is a mind magician that's what I would that's what I would describe him Um, I don't know if he remembers this but I actually had two calls with him before one was just before I uh, launched my first book ever, which was a, a crazy time of my life because I was so scared to do it. And in one conversation, he made me feel better. And I just went through it like it was, I don't know, a walk in the park, literally. And uh, the other time that Clay has given me support is at the downest moment of my life when my mom passed away. So if you have been following my journey for a while, um, you guys know that I was very close to my mom. And when she passed away, it was such a very difficult time. It was the only time I would claim that I was actually depressed and suicidal. And uh, Clay, Clay helped me walk through my emotions. And in one call, he has helped me, actually took me on like a lot of journeys in my past and that I never knew was possible. Uh, Clay is a very um, is a very is very skilled at uh, a lot of the things that make your mind um, in its best state in its best state possible. Um, you can call it I don't know NLP hypnosis persuasion. It's it's a lot of things, right? So that's who he is to me, and of course he's a very good friend. And I I don't know if I can ever repay his kindness, but I will try. <laughs> so um, for many others. Clay is an Australian-born entrepreneur, expat entrepreneur, <laughs> who has built, destroyed, and then rebuilt seven-figure, um, his own consulting brands, as well as consulting and building seven, eight, and nine-figure brands. 
Clay has done this through evidence-based and his own experimental processes based in neuroscience and psychology that leverage technology to work for you instead of against you. He's also previously worked with pro athletes from the AFL, NRL, PGA, and UFC, and he now specializes in helping entrepreneurs and business owners develop personal and professional systems to build a profitable, guilt-free business and life. So I will talk about our topic for today, but first, welcome, Clay, and how are you today? Dude, that was quite an introduction, and of course, I remember <laughs> working together. I still remember the, the, what you told me after we did the session the next day about the flowers. Um, yeah. Up in your dreams. So yeah, like, of course I remember that was like it was a huge thing. I said that you don't take these things lightly when someone asks ah, reaches right. out for help with something so serious, you know. I mean, like, come on, like a friend. Yeah. Not, forget that. Um, so yeah, it was cool. And it's been a while, and like you've gone leaps and bounds since like we were hanging out here in Phuket. So like it's just been it's amazing to reconnect. I know, likewise. So Clay lives in Phuket, which is uh a paradise in itself and uh you know I, i'm pretty sure a lot of people would love to hear more about your life um for our listeners the topic that we're gonna talk about today is the title is how to the end of betrayal how to trust everyone and anyone so quite a heavy topic right um and clay and i were talking about how it is a radical idea and it's quite the opposite of um of how we usually go about our life. So um, Clay, can you tell me a little bit about how you started forming your ideas around this topic and what gave you the aha moment? So through a lot of uh, couples therapy, mm. right? Ways kind of, I don't really do therapy per se, right? right. Not, not in the licensed way, but People would come and they want to like work on their relationship. Like, okay, no worries. Right. And what I started to notice was there were a lot of values conflicts with people. But the values conflicts were coming from things that were being assumed by either party. Mm -hmm. And the assumptions were so like people were like, okay, so for example, um, I have two people, Jill and Jack, right? Why not? And uh, Jill and Jack uh, both value freedom, right? And they both value commitment and they both value honesty. They're like, oh, we've got the same values. But then when you get into it, what Jack means for freedom is that like, as an example, which is very common, when he'd go out with the guys, he'd be left alone to go out with the guys because that would be meant that he'd be trusted. And what Jill would do is she would check on him just to make sure he's okay. And they would see that as a conflict because he's like, well, my freedom is like, I need to be able to go out with, with the guys without being nagged or bothered. And for Jill, the freedom comes from the fact that when she's out with her friends, that Jack is messaging her to see that she's okay and that she's good so that she knows that she's safe and she's free to go do the things that she wants. And so while they both wanted the exact same thing, freedom, on the surface, mm -hmm. what it actually meant was completely different. And so I was coming in, like people were like there were people cheating on each other and the business deals they were going south and all these things. And what I started to realize was 
there was a lot of energy and a lot of assumptions that were being put into the label versus what was the substructure underneath. And instead of people actually figuring out what was the substructure underneath, they would tie and attach to all these labels and then their values would be blown out the water because neither party had really been specific enough to actually dial in what exactly they wanted and exactly what they needed from the relationship. And so then I started going, well, hang on a sec. If they've never even really gone to the depth to discuss what it actually means to them, what it actually is, like how could you say that that's a betrayal? Like if I assume that, uh, so let, let, let's do, we can do it quickly right now. All right. Right. So notepad. <laughs> so just so you can tell I'm not lying, right? All right. So do you have a pen paper there? Yeah, I have. I do. Okay, cool. So write down the first three words that come to mind when you hear the word apple. Okay. And it helps when you get a pen that works. Yeah. <laughs> All right, done. Yeah, still not working. There we go. Okay. Did you have juicy? Oh, it's not coming up. Got to unblock it. Do you have juicy, golden, or crunchy? No, I have red, sweet, and shiny. Right. But with that, if I start talking about an apple, yeah, automatically got your picture in your head, and I've got mine, and they're completely different. Right. That's something that has no meaning and no value in my life and no value in your life. Like who cares about the apple, right? Right. But when you start talking about freedom, when you start talking about honesty, when you start talking about, this was something that really hit me uh, when uh, I got married and then subsequently, like we ended up getting the wedding uh, annulled. Mm -hmm. Like we did the whole death was part thing. Mm -hmm. And for me, that was like when I'm in the grave or you're in the grave. That was mm -hmm. my assumption. Her assumption mm -hmm. was when the emotional connection is dead, the death of the emotional connection. Like, right. So that's two massively very different ideas that we've just assumed we both understood what each other meant. Right. Right. And this happens all the time. So this, what are you assuming? And people assume a lot. And so I started to like keep digging into it and keep diving into it. And I started to realize, well, if people are always assuming these things and I'm making these assumptions, then that's on me, that's not on you. Mm -hmm. And when you make those assumptions, that's on you, that's not on me. And a lot of the journey that I've gone down has all, all been about, uh, to quote Jocko Willink, like complete ownership, right? Like right. how do I own like my space? How did I create this space? How did I create this point in time, this point of reference so that I can then like move forward? Because it, if I'm not owning this and if I didn't create this, then someone else is like moving the chess piece for me. And for starters, it's not a really comfortable idea for me in the first place. But second of all, that gives me no agency over my life. And it gives me no ability to go ahead and navigate through it because now I'm powerless because it's someone else that's making the moves versus me. Yeah. And I feel that that's an extremely uh, damaging position to play the game of life from. Mm -hmm. so ultimately so, mm -hmm. it, it came down to that right and then i started to realize okay what is trust like how do you define trust and this is this is how you can have a life free of betrayal so trust to me is in 
the purest sense, assurance of a mutually beneficial outcome. Mm -hmm. That's it. If, like, let's take this for example right now, right? Mm -hmm. our, our conversation. Is it beneficial for you as a podcast host to have this topic and ex explore this topic for your podcast? Yeah, and you're also interested in it. Is mm -hmm. it beneficial for me to come on and talk about it? Absolutely. We have a mutually beneficial outcome. So I can trust right. you're going to show up to the podcast and you can trust mm -hmm. that I'm going to show up to do the podcast. Mm -hmm. And so if you come from the frame of reference that you can always trust the other person to do what's in their own best interest. And as long as that best interest aligns with your best interest, you can be assured of the result. And the second that their best interest doesn't align with yours, then you can trust that they will do something different. And they're not doing something different to spite you. They're not doing something different uh, to cause you pain. They're doing something different because as a human being, we will always do what's in our own best interest. And the common thing I get, almost a straight uh, interjection or objection, whoa, whoa, whoa. What about the guy who sacrifices himself or the woman who sacrifices himself to push like the little baby out the way and get hit by a truck and dies? Like, fair enough. That person valued more being remembered as a hero right. than they did. Like, it, it, it doesn't matter how you have, like, there's always a self serving action, right? It's right. in his interest to be seen as a human being. And he didn't know that he was going to die. Like, maybe he thought he could live and maybe he thought he could survive. Like, yeah. He, it was in his best interest to go ahead and do that in that moment in spite of the risk. And it really doesn't matter where you go and how far you go with this. Like we can break it down we can pull it back to that one point. You're always motivated by what's in it for you. And that doesn't make you selfish. That doesn't make you self-centered. That makes you a human being. And then when you start aligning your interests with the other people that have the same interests and similar interests as you, you start to build uh, collaborations that are built on trust of a mutually beneficial outcome. Right. And if you take that frame of reference, then that allows you to always put yourself in the position to look for how you can be of benefit to other people while also benefiting yourself, which means, and people are like, well, that's extremely selfish. I'm like, it's not. That's actually just a smart play. Because right. you're doing something to the benefit of others that also benefits you. And I'm pretty sure it's... Uh, Zig Ziglar that always talks about like um, you're, you, if you want something, help everyone else get what they can and they'll help right. you get what you want. Yeah. Like, so it's like I'm teaching this brand new thing. It's like, it's just me. Like there's been like a lot of evidence and a lot of people that have like gone through a different way of mm -hmm. like talking about this. But for me, I just saw it as a huge breakthrough because I'm like, oh, like if it's got nothing to do with me, Mm -hmm. And I'm just projecting my own stuff into the story and I'm making it about me when it's got nothing to do with me. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So, um, yeah, wow, that that's definitely very insightful. So it's like people don't really betray other people. We're just acting in our best interest. Um, my question for that would be, um, with that assumption, th that assumption is a little, you know, it, it takes time, but it's it's a little easy to digest, right? Yeah, it's it's reasonable. It's I can understand it from a logical point of view. Mm -hmm. uh, my question would be, how do my, my question would now be like a question of honesty. So mm -hmm. if we're assuming that everyone acts in, in their best interest, the problem now here is the dishonesty or lying about their their personal interest, right? Mm -hmm. So for example, if I'm marrying a man for money, but mm -hmm. I make him believe that 
I'm marrying him for his for for not for his money basically because I love him or whatever um and so I'm acting in my best interest but I'm dishonest about showing or informing this other party of right. uh, uh, of the outcome that I want so um how do we reconcile that that problem or that gap the information gap because of the dishonesty so it depends how much time do you have to study body language? right <laughs> all our <Right>. lives <laughs> yeah exactly and that that's like been like a huge path i've gone down recently mm. because how much like even with like all the linguistics i know and uh, all the practice i've had what i realized i was leaving like so much on the table like even though i studied body language partially it yeah. wasn't to the degree that I could. And now that I've gone down an even deeper rabbit hole with it, like you, you see incongruence when people are talking. Right. Right. The words don't match the actions. The words don't match the behavior. And you can start to pull things apart and it becomes very obvious mm -hmm. when things are misaligned. And that doesn't mean they're lying, right? It just means they're incongruent. And it means that, okay, that's a point to note about. Let's dig deeper there in a moment, right? Because a lot of people take... Uh, the incongruence between the the words and the body language is like, oh, they're lying. They're not lying. They are being deceptive. Absolutely. But that doesn't mean they're lying, right? They could be being deceptive because they're carrying shame about something that they don't, that they kind of like dancing around it kind of thing, but they're not specifically lying and they're not like uh, being insidious towards you. They're mm -hmm. just kind of like being protective. In the case that you're talking about, now, I don't know why you would say you'd do that because you'd never do that anyway, but that's another story. <laughs> um, there's, it's going to come up in their behavior. Mm. So there's another uh, term that comes through from behavior profiling which is called leakage, mm -hmm. right? So like when you first meet someone, and let's talk about like a relationship, right? You're kind of in the honeymoon phase and you love everything about them. Mm -hmm. And then that person starts to show you that the mask comes off, mm -hmm. right? And they start becoming more of themselves and they start becoming more comfortable and like they start showing more of their habits. And what I've found is people can typically only put up a front for a given amount of time. Right. Before the cracks start to go through and before you start to go, huh. Now, if you're not paying attention to those cracks and you just wipe them off, like, okay, no, it's nothing. It's just this then yeah, absolutely. You'll be opening yourself up to uh, manipulation in a negative way. Mm -hmm. If you're aware of these things, you start paying attention to that and pay attention to the, the differences between what they're saying and their actions. And that is like a philosophy that I have, like trust the action. Trust the action. Mm -hmm. Trust the action because words are fantastic and words are great. But if someone continues to do the same action, even though they're saying they're going to do something else, then you can trust that what they really want. And you, when we get into want, we're going on a, a huge segue here, but there's what they consciously want and there's what they subconsciously want and what they subconsciously want will always overpower what they consciously want. Willpower is finite. Subconscious is going to be habitual. It's going to be emotional. It's going to be your limbic system. There's a whole bunch of things that will push you to go down the subconscious route. Right. And so that, um, their actions will be driven towards something. And so even though they might consciously say they want to do something, their habits... And their alignment takes them a different path. And so you can trust that that's more likely what they're going to do. And that doesn't mean that they're incapable of change. It doesn't mean that they don't want to change consciously. It just means like you can trust the behavior. Right. 
Wow, that that makes sense, no? So it's just like um, you just need to watch. You need to watch, listen, observe more, and be more. I guess that's another motivation to live a quieter life. And by quieter, I mean like less distractions and more focused on things that really matter. Um, because sometimes when life gets so busy and noisy, um, you miss out on these little things, right? Like we've heard of people who, um, you know, obviously they say hindsight's twenty twenty, but after kind of a, you know, a, a, a betrayal, quote unquote, a betrayal that they've experienced, it is common for people to say, I should have seen the signs. There were definitely red flags, but I ignored them. Or sometimes it's like, maybe you were just too busy or you were focusing on the wrong things. So I guess that's also a motivation, you know, to to live a quieter life, to to live a life of purpose and focus. Um, for things that really matter to you. So um, that's a good reminder for sure. Um, so can you share us about the time when you you got betrayed or you you consider was kind of like a, a big betrayal? Of course, before you were able to figure out this reframe on betrayal, like what would be acceptable in, in the normal parlance of uh, the word betrayal? So there's two things that come out which is definitely like uh, I'm completely fine with now mm -hmm. at the time. Like I definitely felt betrayed and right, right. both around work. Right okay. now, at, the first time was completely on me. Like they're both on me really for my, uh, at that point in time in my life, the lack of emotional intelligence and lack of maturity that I had. First time was in the Navy. Mm -hmm. And um, we had pulled into port in Jakarta, and uh, there's this this process that they call uh, ceremonial sunset. So basically, you pull into a foreign port, and you invite the naval officers of that port to come on. Like you have like a party between the officers, and blah 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 blah. You know, keep the peace, cocktail, mix, merge, that kind of thing. And during that evening, I did something which would have like ended my career. Right. Wow. I was on duty and uh, while I was on duty, I was given a, a couple of shots of vodka and you're not supposed to drink when you're on duty. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever, like one or two won't hurt, it's no big deal. Anyway, the next morning, like I did my job and I went to bed, but like I got sick and I threw up. And my job of that evening was to actually clean up all the alcohol and all the cans and everything like that. I was my job and so i did that and um because i threw up my then boss if you can call him a boss he was the same rank as me but like he was in charge of like our our section right um, came down and uh pulled me aside and it was just such a weird setup he he didn't want to like it, it's just the way he approached it was so strange anyway he said uh i heard that you were drinking last night on duty did you i said yes and he said, I'm not happy with you. Like, you need to go do this, blah, 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 blah. Like, I'll deal with you later. I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever, man. So then uh, they came down and my entire department with like the junior section, which I was a part of, they said, hey, we're going to have a meeting. Like, he's done this and we're not happy about it, but we're going to keep it in-house and we're going to take like care of it in-house. And then they went and did the opposite. Oh, they went oh. Oh, like all the senior sailors and all the officers and everything like that. And within an hour, I was in front of the CEO explaining like my position. And so while I had made the mistake, 
I felt betrayed because they told me they were going to do one thing and then they did something else. Right. And so I was like, okay, if these guys don't have my back and they're not going to look after me, I need to look after myself. And so basically it was that guy's word against mine. Uh-huh. And we have police officers called coxswains, uh, coxswains on uh, Navy vessels. And the coxswain was also on duty the night before and he was also drinking. Uh-huh. And so he was the one investigating me. Uh-huh. And so when I got called into the office, he kind of knew that he was in shit because uh-huh. if I went down, he was going down too because he was right. on duty and he was in charge of me last night. And so it ended up being like my word versus his. And I said, no, I never said that to him. I never said I drank. I said I was cleaning up beer. I smelled of alcohol. I did throw up, absolutely. Um, and I just create, I crafted a story, basically. And it turned out because it was his word versus mine, I had no evidence. I got away with it. So I was very fortunate to escape that. Right. But the betrayal came because they said they were going to do one thing and they did something else. And so that's where like I felt betrayed. But at the end of the day, if I hadn't been a dick and I hadn't I've got and had and I hadn't had any alcohol, that situation would have ever would never have arrived, right? So like that's on right. me. Uh, but that's where the betrayal came in. Like the second time uh really rubbed me the wrong way. So I was on my way out to work. I was working in oil and gas as a subsea engineer. I was on my way out to work. My grandfather had just died like the yeah. day before. And so I was not really in the best state of mind. And while I wasn't uh, close with my grandfather because they lived in a separate country, we didn't really get to know them. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize the magnitude that his passing had on me and how right. my mindset at the time. Like this is, uh, what was it, 16, 17 years ago? This is like before I'd actually got into any of this journey that I'm on now, right? So I'm completely unaware. I don't really have the emotional regulation or the emotional intelligence that I have right now. There's like a lot of things that were going wrong. And uh, this lady was just excessive. Is the only way I could put it. And uh, we had to go through an A-class marine reserve to get out to the oil rig I was working on, which basically meant you basically had to have brand new shoes every time you went to the rig because you couldn't have any seeds, you couldn't have any dirt, you couldn't have this, like it was ridiculous, which is fine. But the way she was handling like she kept on telling me to clean my shoes, clean my shoes, clean my shoes. And after the seventh time, telling me to clean my shoes, but not telling me what was wrong with them. And I'd already cleaned them six times. Like, look, lady, you don't uh, have to be such a bitch. Like, just tell me what you want me to do. Like, I'm on my way to work. I'm going to be out for four weeks. Like, just tell me. Like, you don't need to make my life a misery because you're unhappy with your life and your job. Probably not my finest hour. Right. Right. So she ended up filing a complaint against me, which went all the way up to the heads back in Houston. This is in Perth, Western Australia. And it came all the way down to the rig in the three hours it took me to get on the the plane and helicopter to the rig. So by the time I got to the rig, um, the IAM, which is like the offshore installation manager, called me in to his office. He's like, look, Clay, I know exactly the lady who was giving you a hard time. She's given multiple people a hard time. You just can't talk to people like that. I said, what? So I'm not the first person that's had a problem with this lady and I'm the one that's getting smashed with this. Like, are you serious? Right. Like I get, maybe I shouldn't have responded in the same way, but come on, man. <laughs> like, if there are multiple people that are having issues with this one person. Don't you think like that's part of the problem? Right. And it's like, Yep. No worries. Fine. Like that's on me. I'll do it. What I didn't know is that I was actually in line for a promotion that rotation. And my boss came out, didn't ask me my side of the story heard what happened from other people and turned me down for the promotion. 
and then promoted someone else instead, which is fine, but then started to make my life a living hell out there from one incident. He's like, I can't trust you. I can't do this. You go to that. You're useless. You're blah, 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 blah. Oh. And then he started treating me like in not an unfair way, but uh, like a redheaded stepchild kind of way, you know, like you're unwanted. And um, he did it to the point where when I came back from my next rotation, he's like, I'm surprised to see you back. I thought you would have quit. So that's where the second kind of betrayal came. And like, this had nothing to do with work. This had nothing to do with my professional abilities. It had nothing to do with my skill set. Yeah, you've made something that isn't professional, like it has nothing to do with my professional capability, like about that. And so I felt betrayed then. Mm-hmm. And I got over that too, because again, like I took a look back. I'm like, if I hadn't reacted like such a jerk to that lady, like it probably wouldn't happen. And truth right. be told, like there's probably it was a good thing in the end because like I didn't actually want to stay working in Australia anyway. I got overseas. Yeah. So like it led to a whole bunch of change. But yeah. those were the times where I would say like I definitely felt betrayal at the time because people in my mind took things out of context and they changed their stance very quickly for things that I thought had no relevance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That Those are definitely very kind of a kind of turning points. And it's fascinating because I, I still notice uh, a little, you know, when you were telling the story, there's definitely that loadedness still of the, of the situation and you know we are we are human and when we recall times like that you know it, it hurts us it, it hurts and, and that's you know betrayal hurts and um no matter how you 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 define it or look at it right so um it's great no, hold, that on, you- hold, on, hold on the hurt the hurt is actually not from the other people the hurt is like it's more regret now than it is betrayal yeah. it's like I regret that I didn't know what I know now back then. I regret that I couldn't have made better choices because I really would. It's intriguing to me to uh, that, that changed the shape. So especially for the Navy thing, right? Uh, What that ended up shaping the rest of my career was that like, I did not fit in with my department. And I basically like for the rest of my career, which was another four and a half, five years in the military, like felt like I was an outsider because of that one event. And so it's not the the betrayal, like the loadedness comes from like, I, I burned five years of my life to build like real connections with people because of one incident that made me so jaded. Right, right. Yeah, jaded. and. Yeah, absolutely. And that's also kind of an emotion that is, you know, being jaded, it's, it doesn't just happen once. It's usually like a, a mountain of things that happen many times in your life. And, you know, that's when they start using those those uh, expressions, uh, the the final nail on the coffin or yep. the, the straw that broke the camel's back. <laughs> All of those things. So, uh, yeah. So I, I guess a lot of people you know, now hearing these stories from you and your insights, they are also kind of remembering um, past incidents of betrayal. I definitely have, uh, you know, have have remembered and recalled these situations. It's not nice. It definitely, there's a little bit of still salt on the wound. And so, you know, for for normal people like us that are not mind magicians, uh, what would you say is an easy way to walk back and 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 be able to do this reframe um 
in the in the most I would say in the easiest way. You know, what are the steps? So you use a word there that I just wouldn't use because it's not easy. Oh. It's simple. It's simple. Yeah, very, that's right. That's very right. simple, but it's not easy. Yeah. Like for me to go back through that event, like the, especially the thing with the Navy, right? Right. Because um, like, funnily enough, those events were like the biggest blessings in disguise. Mm -hmm, right. Mm -hmm. I saw that event in the Navy and then the event, and there was another one where I got passed up for another promotion later on, which I didn't really think of as betrayal at that time. But what it started to show me, like I started looking like, okay, there's this event, then there's this event, then there's this event. They're all events at work. The only commonality between those events is me. I'm the problem. I need to make a change. And that's actually what flipped the switch. And then I started going down the process of getting into the mind and going into the mindset and hypnosis and NLP and neuroscience and psychology and everything else. Yeah. So like, it was like a huge turning point for me in my life. And that's why like I cherish it. But the part is like, I, I allowed it to affect me for so long. And I'm like, Oh, it just sucks that I, I didn't do that. I didn't, didn't have the knowledge back then. So to walk through it is, it comes back to this total ownership. And that's a hard concept for a lot of people, right? It's a very challenging concept to go, okay, like even if like it's 99% the other person's fault, which it never is, but let's say it is, right? You've got to own that 1%. Yeah. Yep, yep. And that is a very challenging prospect for most of the people in the world. They do not want to own anything. They don't want to own how they could possibly have contributed to a horrible position that they're in in their life. Mm -hmm. And so if you can do that, if you can say, you know what, I'm going to own everything that's happened. I'm going to own like all the good stuff and all the bad stuff. Because like, if you want to be able to own the good stuff, you have to be able to own the bad stuff. Yeah. Right. It can't, I can't like, oh, I'm just going to own this. Cause like, you never truly own it because it's the whole collection of the experience that you need to own, which then gives you the power to own the good stuff. So the way to reframe it is, first of all, to try on the idea and the belief and the frame around trust. And that is that you can trust someone to do what's right by them. And if you look at those two examples, right, the first example with the guy in the Navy, he was brand new. He wasn't in a leadership position. He didn't really know what to do. He didn't even really know. So he actually went to like the senior uh, manager in our department to ask for advice mm -hmm. because he didn't know what to do. Right. Right. So he wasn't trying to betray me. He was trying to do the right thing. Right. It, it was like just like a collateral damage for some exactly. reason. Right. He's got, he had no... Uh, dog in the fight he wasn't trying to he wasn't out to get me right i felt like it was right but right, right? But if I go back and i take the take the lens and that's why like you've got to test the lens out so my biggest thing that i tell everyone is just test everything don't take my word for it don't believe me in fact think i'm lying it's fine test it out for yourself and see if it fits and see if it helps right and so to do that you need to test out okay like what could possibly have been in that person's best interest and what was in his best interest was to make sure he was doing the right thing and he was operating so he didn't put himself in more trouble, right? And that's what he did. There was no betrayal in it. It wasn't like, oh, I'm going to screw you over. I'm going to get you. That's what it is, right? And then with the, with the promotion, he was doing what was in his best interest. 
Like if this guy can flip out on the way to work, even though we didn't know the background with my grandfather and like how like I was down and things like that, if this guy can flip out with work like that, well, what if I put him in charge and something goes wrong? Could he flip out then? He was doing what was in his own best interest by promoting someone that he thought was going to be more well-rounded, more edged, you know, whatever. They probably were. Like, I can't argue that. And so it comes down, like, the first thing is, like, you need to be able to go in and you need to have the ability to disconnect from the fact that your feelings are right. They're relevant, but it doesn't make them right. And there's a difference between relevant and right. And yes. if you can cross that difference, like if you can split that gap and you go, okay, like my feelings are relevant. And is there another path for me? Like if I look at this another way, can I see how someone can do something in their own best interest and actually has no, no direction and no impact and no meaning on what kind of person I am and our relationship because they're just actually doing what's right for them. Right. So it's like it's like um it's like looking at it from another another perspective also like what you said they're not trying to hurt you they're tr just trying to serve themselves right. and you remove the intention uh you remove the intention of the wanting to hurt you which removes the energy of um of you hating that person or the potential right. For you to hate that person so i think that's also the other benefit of this reframe it makes you not hate anyone which i think is uh a beautiful thing to start doing <laughs> it's, a, it's a peaceful way to live let's put it that way right right yeah um, you come from the but here's the thing <laughs> so there are some people that have had traumatic upbringings right right and for people that have had traumatic upbringings where they couldn't trust a parent or they couldn't trust a guardian yeah. or a guardian yeah. abused their position, not necessarily the kid, but abused their position, then their yeah. nervous system has learned to survive by not trusting people. Yeah. And even with someone like that, you can still come from the frame of reference that this person is acting. So if you look at a human being, we are animals with sophistication would you get angry and hate all dogs because a dog bit you or because yeah. a snake bit you? would you hate snakes we like oh that's it's this and it's out to get me no the snake did what it did the dog did what it did like it's just an animal people are no different it's the mammalian brain i'm not saying like you know we're all apes or chimps or whatever right mm -hmm. but we all have that evolutionary development and that has such a powerful uh impact on our life that unless you're doing the things but there's a couple of things unless you were fortunate enough to have the role models that taught you how to regulate your emotions regulate your psychology and do these things as a natural way of going then it's something you're going to have to manually work at by yourself to develop and that can be a hard starting point because people are like, well, it's unfair because they've got this. And like, but then you're looking at it from the point of view of like, you're not recognizing and accepting the reality that you've got. Right. Yeah. That's the biggest issue that a lot of people have. They start to go, oh, well, such and such does this. And like, why can't I do that? Well, because you were born to different parents, potentially in a different culture, raised with different values. Like, 
this, this, the starting point is staggered for every single individual. And it doesn't matter, like some people are gifted with more intelligence. Some people are gifted with more social skills. Some people are gifted with more athletic ability. Some people, like, it doesn't matter. Like you all get, you, everyone's gifted with something. Right. But the starting point is staggered in every, every uh, context that we go into. And what I find is uh, innately useful for people, even if you've got had a traumatic past, and if you had this, if you can understand and if you can accept that everyone's doing what's in their own best interest, then nothing that anyone's doing has anything to do with you. Right. It's it's the age old advice of don't take things personally. <laughs> yeah. Right. Because it's not personal. Yeah. Now it can feel intensely personal, like someone's coming after you, and it, it definitely can be. I'm not saying that's uh, not an option. Like people can definitely get uh, bitter and jaded, and then go after people. Yeah. Want to attack. I'm not saying that doesn't happen. What I'm saying is, if that's your default, then you're spending a lot of energy and wasting a lot of thoughts and wasting a lot of time. Getting mm. into energy where other people are probably just like, not interested. It's like a what's the? I think it's an, an Arabic thing. Where it's like you poisoning the well, drinking the poisoned water, and expecting the other person to die. That's what hate. Right. Is, right? right. That's what when when you feel betrayed, that's what you're doing. Like you're drinking your own poison. Like, oh, you betrayed me. And so I'm going to manifest these feelings. I'm going to hold on to it. And it's going to be this thing. It's going to drive me. And you're going to see, you're going to pay. And the other person's yeah. like, uh, I have no idea what you're talking about. I didn't do any of that. Like, that wasn't the thing that was like, I'm sorry. Like, I don't know where you're coming from. And yeah. people have no idea where it's coming from. They get completely blindsided from it. And so they're not tying their energy or their resources, but you are. And so you, like, you're, 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 you're sacrificing your life for something that the other person doesn't even know is going on. Right. In that in that line of thinking, the other benefit that I can think of is it definitely helps you practice more grace, uh, forgiveness, and respect for others, which are also very good pursuits. And um, it lets you kind of live a life of more peace, I think, actually, when you start thinking this way. And I think that Peace is definitely the best form of wealth uh, out there, having having peace. Um, can you share with our listeners, you know, as business people and as entrepreneurs, how can we use this mindset to, say, empower our teams? So this will be the only almost business question that I'll ask <laughs> in this well, podcast. Go I mean, this way. Think about a team because team isn't necessarily like just a business thing right your mm -hmm. team is your relationship with your spouse it's your family right. right you can use team in anything and the way i look at it is it comes back to kind of what we were speaking a, a moment ago where mm -hmm. you want to frame things through the way of like how can i do this thing to benefit this person so that I, it also benefits me uh -huh. which was like oh well it's self-serving but while it might be self-serving, it's not really. Because what you're doing is like they're getting something that they want, right? And then the whole thing comes back like, well, everything that you do is self-serving in a way anyway. Uh -huh. So you might as well make it in the beneficial process. So how do you benefit your teams and how do you use it to benefit your teams? You start to figure out what it is that the other people want. You start to focus like, what is it that motivates this person? What is it that's going to be in their best interest to do? 
-hmm. and set them on those tasks in that direction so that they are getting something that is in their own best interest. And then you can then sit back and trust that they're going to be doing the process and doing it the right way because it's in their own best interest to do it. Now, the catch with that is like, they're like, well, it's in their own best interest to do it because I'm paying them to do it. Like, that's not what we're talking Like, you're going like way scope here, right? That's not in their own best interest. So like, if, if they want to be recognized as like the star employee, and this is a path for them to get that, then that's in their own best interest. If they're the person that wants to sit in the shadows, but just do the work, then it's in your best interest to create that environment where they can sit in the shadows and do the work and be like autonomous and do like, like their own thing. If it's in your their best interest to be a part of the group and have a shared responsibility, then it's in your best interest to make sure they're a part of a group and they feel a part of the group and they're sharing the responsibility. So you can use it in a lot of ways, to, depending on how they need to be motivated, depending on the environment that they need. Like you can figure out what they need and give them that so that they can then perform in the best way possible. So they're happy to come to work. They enjoy coming to work. Right. And if, you, if you've created the best work environment for each individual that then has a cumulative effect, like you're on a golden ticket, right? You've got synergy. Right. Yes, absolutely. I think that, you know, in, in my business outsourcing, People usually outsource because the same job is going to be done for less dollars, right? So let's just give it overseas and, and find someone else to do it. But a lot of people also, I'm very lucky. And honestly, we're also selective of our clients, but I'm very lucky that our clients don't think that way. They do respect. And yes, they admit that there's benefits and how far their dollar goes and how much they can get done with less. Yeah but it's also that they genuinely believe in the skills of these people. And you not only outsource for tasks now, but you also outsource for say profit or results. And people are starting to see this as the world's opening up, right? And so in our business, one example that we, we always kind of lead the way when it comes to teaching our clients how to think about outsourcing is we highly discourage time tracking. Um, you know, before time tracking was very common and they would have these softwares that would take a screenshot of your uh, screen every 10 minutes or something like that, or it will have a sensor if your mouse is moving. But um, I've been in this business for over, it's crazy. For, yeah, for real. Yeah. So I've been in this business for 10 plus years and I've seen all of the scams that the freelancers do just to get their time doctor moving. So some people would have multiple laptops, multiple clients, multiple laptops. Some people would tie their mouse, I'm not kidding, to the ceiling fan so that it keeps moving even if they're not doing anything. They would have YouTube running in the background so there is a sense of activity in the monitor, but they're actually not doing anything. So... Um, this is what happens when you start a culture of distrust, right? Sure. Um, and that is definitely, everyone's losing. Everyone's lying to themselves. Uh, someone's paying more than the work that they get. Someone is laughing and thinking you're stupid, insulting your intelligence. It's just a bad idea altogether. When in fact, we can, do the, we can go the other way, which is let's build systems that encourage trust. We're not going to micromanage you. This is the job. This is these are the responsibilities. The, these are the benefits, your pay, and of course your your benefits, um, mm. which 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 we give. And uh, do you like this? 
let's do this, right? That That is how you hire someone. Um, and also we, we make it to a point that the company is also a great place to work for. Um, because like I always say, every job description, hire, hiring announcement, whatever is copy. And you also have to convince the right person. So you have everyone's interests together. I think that's how you can build a cohesive company because they're all staring at one goal and running in the same direction. And this will not work without a culture of trust um, exactly. and the culture of assuming the, 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 assuming the best intentions out of everyone, right? Like ask questions, mediate instead of um, going through a complaint and, and assuming the worst. So um, I, that is my, my big realization after this conversation for sure that um, yes, we're already heading in the right direction, but there's definitely more that we can do to build a culture of trust and to optimistically think and believe that betrayal is not a thing anymore. So, uh, so that, that's, that's a very, very, I gained something already from this podcast selfishly. Um, so, um, I would love to end this podcast episode on our, on an awesome note. So, Clay, can you share with us a story where you considered it a huge gamble and you trusted someone or something and it paid off well? And what can what can you what can we learn from it? What did you learn from it? Um yeah, actually. Uh there's a very good friend of mine that used to live here in Phuket and now lives in northern Thailand um with his wife and kids. And um, I used to work with him in oil field. Mm. Unbeknownst to me, he lived in Phuket. And when I moved to Phuket <laughs> with my ex-wife, he so my ex-wife is Brazilian. His partner at the time, his fiancée, was Brazilian. So we're both from Perth. We both worked in oil and gas. And we both had uh, wives that were Brazilian. It's just weird. And we hadn't <laughs> seen each other in years. And yeah. um, we were at his place one time. And he's like, look, I've got some friends coming over and you need to listen to what they have to say. I'm like, all right, cool, no worries. And it was an investment pitch in a company. And he's like, they're a startup. They haven't been around for long. Like, it's the wrong thing. And so I had a look at it. I said, what do you think? He goes, I said, do you trust these guys? He's like, yeah, I trust them. Like, they're going to work and they're going to do the thing. I'm like, okay, no worries. So I put a bunch of money in and uh, that has returned 50x. Wow, that's awesome. So like it was a gamble, like investing can be a gamble. It's obviously like it's very speculative, especially with an early stage company, like that early stage. Right. Uh, but I know that guy is, well, he's all over the shop and he's a bit erratic at times, like at his center, at his core, he is one of those down to earth human beings and he cares about his friends and he cares about loyalty and he cares about like, uh making like good on whatever he says and so when he said that like yeah i can i trust these guys with my life like okay this is a safe bet and so i had to take a gamble on that and i did and paid off massively yeah it's so nice to hear stories like that because sometimes you just hear about the opposite right uh, <laughs> uh like, but of course the story i've got a bad one too you know but like I prefer to focus on all the good ones because exactly. it just, if I keep focusing on all the negative stuff, I'm just going to be a miserable, horrible person. Like, oh, I've lost this money. Oh, this is gone. Oh, so. Yeah. 
yeah, actually, when I look at my life objectively, I've had, I've had a, a lot of losses too, like uh failed gamble, you know, gam gambling, like investments. Um, mm. and, and if I started to actually compute them and start an Excel file, I, I think I'll just be sad, you know, <laughs> but but um, I've always had a bias for winning and I always look at the parts of my life where I've won um, or, or the learnings after all these bad um, experiences. And I think that's also another you know, choice and power that we have. We can always focus on the positive stuff on our wins. And, and with that, we can use that mindset to also build that culture of trust and, and, and build this new reframe around betrayal. So it's definitely very helpful. Um, so Clay, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us. Um, I, I always love talking to you and this was such a treat. So I'm super grateful. Uh, can you give us a little update what you're doing, what keeps you busy and maybe an invitation for our listeners to follow you or maybe, um, try to work with you. That's, I'm always going down rabbit holes. Um, <laughs> Like, uh, yeah, it's a great question. I, my website's under construction. So like <laughs> the best way to, to get in touch is either on Facebook for Clay Moffat or LinkedIn, but I'm never really on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. I'm not really on Facebook that much. I'm the world's worst marketer. And <laughs> I do marketing very well. Um, but if people wanted to work with me, uh, basically, the only way to work with me these days is to join my community. So I run workshops once a month which they can sign up to, which are usually between $70 to $100, depending on whether you get the early bird or whether you get the full price admission. Um, and I advertise, advertise those on my Facebook wall and to my email list, um, which people can get on if they contact me on Facebook. And uh, yeah, otherwise, it's in my community where I've got a very small community and I'm keeping it very small. I don't want a community of 10 million people. I don't even want a community of 200 people. Like it's a hundred people. And uh, I go in there for four to six hours a week and just work through people's blocks and systems and upgrades and everything like that. And that's kind of like, it, it's, it brings me joy. I love what I do. I get to interact with people. I get to coach and I don't have to focus on marketing. So it's like, it's like everything that I wanted. It's great. But that's <laughs> the place. That'd be the place. Uh, either in one of the workshops, which uh, they could go to uh, Maverick Consultancy. Is it .com? I don't even know if it's .com. I don't even know my own website. This is just how <laughs> it goes, right? I'm... We'll link it. <laughs> but yeah, so like they can go to Mavericks. Um, the website is actually, it is actually on my uh, Facebook. So they can go there. Um, Claimoffit.com will be up soon. Or they can just reach out to me on Facebook, either one. Sounds good. So for everyone listening, just go through the show notes. We're going to link Clay's community and Clay's Facebook page so you can follow him. Send him a message on Messenger if you're thinking about working together, upgrading your life. Um, whatever you experience, whatever aha moments you experience on this podcast, you're going to experience 100x more. Obviously, if you work with him directly, as I have experienced for myself. Um, so thank you so much, Clay. Thank you so much for your gift to the world. And I'm super excited to see what's next for you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. And um, congrats on being a dad. You seem to be really enjoying it. And and you look good doing this, doing this work that you do for the world and for your home. So congratulations. <laughs>
Thank you. All right. Thank you. Bye, guys. And see you next week for another episode of None of Your Business. So it's a wrap. To my entrepreneur friends, I hope that you found this episode interesting and enjoyable. I know I did. Big thanks to our sponsor, Proximity Outsourcing, for making this possible. If you need to outsource anything in your business so you can scale fast and easy, visit proximityoutsourcing.com and check out their solutions. If there's any topic that you want to request, feel free to reach out. I only have two conditions. You tell me why you find it interesting and you promise it's not business talk. Find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube and leave us a comment or review because you're cool like that. This is your host, Carla, and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for your interest in fun stories. Now we can get back to business. See you next week. And remember, everything here is none of your business.